What's up, everybody? This is April 2022 monthly market update where we go over some of the highlights that I saw from the news this week and a little bit of commentary. Not too much politics because I think that's a little bit of a waste of time, but it's sometimes fun to talk about it. But if you guys have any questions, comments, feel free to type it into the chat. This is being put out in our, our Facebook group and it is also being replayed on YouTube. And most of you guys are listening to this on the podcast form, which by the way, we have a great whole presentation with highlights and experts from these articles and most of them have a bunch of graphs and graphics. We all know how you guys like that type of stuff. So if you guys want to come on over to the YouTube channel, if something was interesting to you or you want to bookmark it or check out all the past investor letters of these monthly reports that we upload every month at simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter. Welcome everybody. This is the monthly market update. Here we go. Before we get going into this, if you haven't yet checked out my uh, Amazon bestseller book, you can get a free e-version at simplepassivecashflow.com slash book. And we also made a financial e-course for the new people. And we talk a lot about simple passive cash flow is for folks who have pretty good financial skills. They're putting a lot to their retirement accounts and you know they're buying houses, even though we're not huge fans of that. That's all what we were taught, but if you got a niece, a nephew, you got a kid that's just learning the basics, you can text the word basic to 314-665-1767. And if they're a little bit better than basic or their net worth is anywhere from zero to quarter of a million, I suggest uh, downloading the free uh, remote rental like e-course, which you can get by texting the word remote to 314-614-665-1767. So enough of that. If you haven't met me before, my name is Lane Kawaoka. I used to be an engineer, but currently uh, own well over 7,000 rental units, 50 projects we've worked on, and a billion dollars plus of assets under ownership at this point. I run the family office on a mastermind, which at this point, we're getting closer to 100 members. We had a bunch of people sign up these last few months, so we are definitely hitting that scale. If you haven't found your tribe of high net worth accredited investors and you're tired of the uh, same old local real estate club, which a bunch of broke guys flipping houses and paying a whole lot of ordinary income and just haven't found good ways to leverage their home equity and they believe in paying it the debt off, you need to join our group. Uh, again, go to simplepassacashflow.com slash journey. We talk about all this stuff, but in much detail that we talk about on the podcast. So first thing, new IRS rule offers higher penalty-free withdrawals for early retirees. I'm not a big fan of retirement accounts. You guys can take a look at my huge argument on this. In summary, you know, I the reason why I don't like them is because you're just delaying your taxes. And this is what the government wants you to do is be, be taking all your income maybe 20, 30, 40 years from now when the taxes brackets are likely to be higher while you're making more money then. And it doesn't allow you to get all these passive activity losses, which if you haven't heard of this, I would go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax, read all about it, because this is what separates the wealthy from the high paid middle class who pay a lot of taxes, especially if you're able to implement real professional status. But hey, a lot of you guys have big retirement accounts because you guys were good little boys and girls out there and did everything that you were told to do. And now there is supposedly a new rule that's going through 
Florida IRS is going to allow higher penalty-free withdrawals for early retirees. These are going to be known as 72Ts. There may be a better option if you're age 55 or older with the 401k permitting early withdrawals. That's because of another 10% penalty exception. So you can get away from that 10% penalty. But in our world, we don't care about the 10% penalty. That's nothing. That's a normal financial world. Everybody freaks out about the 10%. Oh no, like 10%. If you are out of retail investments where you're getting higher returns, you should be able to recoup that 10% penalty in half a year, a year's time. But anyway, going back to this new rule, uh, they call it the rule of 55, allowing you to skip early withdrawal fees from your current 401k or 403b without leaving a job at age 55 or after. If you guys want more news on this, CNBC, we have all the links to all these articles in our newsletter, which you guys can join and get access to. We send out all the links to all these articles so you can read them yourself at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Next article here. So RE Business Online reports don't just accept your tax assessment. So this is something we do on our large apartment complex and something to think about if you're a little landlord and a lot of the home values went up and a lot of municipalities and cities and counties are finding ways to extract all the money um, from their property taxes. And one of those ways, really only other there's only a few things they could do, and this is one of the biggest ones, is being more aggressive, increasing that market value and the tax assessment value to make those a little bit closer. What we do is we'll try to employ different tax attorneys to fight these on our behalf. When I own little rental properties, it's small potatoes. You are lucky to get anything. You've got to submit evidence. There's a lot of documentation out there. I'm sorry I'm not super helpful on the single family home side. That's why I say don't buy little rental properties because you're screwed. But on the bigger stuff, you can hire larger um, professionals to do this on your behalf to fight these for. I will say, you know, this is actually one of the problems. This is a good problem to have. But lately, a lot of the, t the property values that we bought just last year went up maybe 10, 20%. And the bad thing is that it's the taxes, one little line item in the whole underwriting is going up by a large portion because these tax assessed values are being pushed higher. And so it's taking a little bit of cash flow out. Uh, in the long run, yeah, you'll recoup that. And it really doesn't really matter because the price of your property, which is the whole point why you're buying, even though this is simple passive cash flow, right? I made the name simple passive cash flow before I learned about force appreciation, of course. Greater Houston Partnership reports ExxonMobil to move headquarters to Houston from their Irving, Texas headquarters. In December 2020, Hewlett-Packard said they would establish their global headquarters in Houston also. And May 2021, NRG Energy said they would also consolidate there also. So that is some news on Houston. Here at SimplePassiveCashflow.com, we work with hardworking professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless. I mean, mainstream investing. With so many randos out there, hollow endorsements on crowdfunding websites that just act as broker-dealers taking commission to list syndications on their website, and institutional Wall Street companies out there, who do you trust? We follow a simple formula of working with people we have a direct relationship with while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom. The trifecta is simple. First, syndication deals to get two passive losses to unlock other tax best practices, and thirdly, infinite banking. 
The problem that many astute Simple Passive Cash Flow Club members find is that syndications typically have a minimum of $50,000 to invest and frequency of deals is sporadic. Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash ofund to learn how I always have cash on hand using the American Homeowner Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making an attractive return. I've been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where the fund takes care of operational headaches for you and pulls money together to get bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a slowdown in the economy come, because there will be even more distressed inventory for AHP to purchase. AHP's latest fund aims to keep people in their homes by investing in notes so you can make a 7% return and feel good about making a positive social impact. Invest as little as $100 by going to ahptitle.com. If you want the free Burn Zone book, please claim it at simplepassivecashflow.com slash AHP. And oh, don't forget to join our private investor club. Join us at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. ITR Economics, it has a little commentary here on the whole Ukraine war. And there's already this information in the U.S. prior to the Ukraine war. As you guys know, inflation has been running rampant. We'll just go with their numbers here, which I think is a little conservative, 7.6%. This uh, is obviously unprecedented. Normally, think the Fed likes to run things at 3%. Now, prior to the Ukraine war, all the anticipation was that the United States was going to start raising interest rates, which they do that because the economy is doing really well. Now, in the wake of the Ukraine war, which is typically bad news, right? Wars are typically bad news because mostly it's uncertainty. One would think that the, the United States would pause on those interest rates highs just for the time being. We don't know what's going to happen. The stock market reacted positively for the most part, although it's been volatile. I'll be honest, I don't really follow the stock market. And a lot of my investors, they try, they eventually pull out of that stuff at some point, get into real hard assets that don't go up and down with all these emotional swings. ITR is saying that the German economy has a high dependency on Russia for energy. France may be impacted to a lesser degree because France has remained steadfast in its reliance on uh, nuclear power. So one of the things that you're probably seeing at home is Russia has a lot of oil, they're probably one of the top three oil producers. And with all the sanctions coming into play, the United States oil needs, the supply went down on that side. So that's why you're seeing the prices at the pipe. No, it's not particularly because of Biden's fault, even though people like to put those blame it on stickers on the pump. Um, I'm not a pro-Biden, not against them. Seems like a nice guy, but it's a little more complicated than that, folks. Like, it's uh, you can't just blame it on one dude. It's not like he has that much power as the president anyway. Since then, maybe I shouldn't say that because I'm contradicting myself. Biden, or we'll say the leadership of the United States, decided to release about a million barrels of oil outside of the reserves. And I did a little digging. I was like, a million barrels of oil, that seems like a lot. We'll be without a reserves to fight a war if we have to in no time. But when I found out there's several places, there's a handful of places around the United States where these million barrels of oil plus each one having 200,000 barrels of oil. And my next question, obviously, as an engineer was how much barrels of oil do we use a day? 
Turns out we use about 20. So by throwing in a million barrels of oil, that's about a surplus of 5%. So we've been seeing some of that price at the pump come down slightly, but we're not blowing our load on our reserves. And I thought it was interesting. It was really hard to tell how much million barrels of oil we have in reserves for obvious reasons, national security. But I was able to ascertain or I was able to guess that it was somewhere between the magnitude of uh, half a billion to a billion was my guess. And I was interested because this is a question that we have a lot in our family office group and myself personally is like, how much liquidity do we have on hand at all times for an opportunity? Now, as passive investor, really, a lot of you guys aren't really going after distressed properties, right? You don't need half a million dollars to go buy a vacant piece of land that came up because it was an amazing deal. A lot of you guys are into the market for the most part. And if you look at what the $10 million plus families in Tiger 21 are doing, they have very little cash. A lot of them just less than 10%. They're not hoarding cash. Like how a lot, I think a lot of unsophisticated investors or people trying to sell you on gold and silver and that type of stuff. But that was just a little bit of takeaway that America, how does America hoard a precious commodity such as oil? It seems like They've got a lot of that. It's it just in case we never made any oil and we consume 20 million barrels a day, that would probably go through that whole stash, you know, months upon months. So that made me feel a little bit better that Biden wasn't just, or I, I shouldn't say that the American leadership wasn't just putting in a million barrels or just to save us 50 cents at the pump each so that we don't get all upset at them ideas or assumptions the, the russian invasion does not spread past other countries especially in, into the nato side the hope is that the nuclear weapons are not deployed we all should hope probably a low chance of that happening but uh, yeah this it should bounce back to that at some point charlie munger warren buffett's right hand man said that you know, he says crypto traders want to get rich quick without doing anything for the civilization and this really i applauded very heavily because that's what gets me on like people who buy things, sell high and traders or they buy crap on eBay, sell it on Amazon or generally like the Bitcoin people like they're buying things and they might be making money, but they're not really adding value to society. Whereas you, know, you have a business, you're obviously adding value into the system, which somebody pays more for, which is you're basically paying for your sweat equity. You're rehabbing apartments one unit at a time. That's obviously adding value because the greater civilization has better rental stock. So I really like this and I wanted to share with this because you know, there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to get a buck, get to a million dollars, get to $2 million net worth. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of the higher net worth investors will agree that it's more about impact. And even you don't have to make a huge impact, but at least put your dollars on something that's going to do some good out there. Oh, you guys are, who cares? Where are we going to put our money? What's the next article here? So Washington Post says that investors bought a record share of homes in 2021. Here are some of the top markets. Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami, Jacksonville, Phoenix, Orlando, Detroit, Las Vegas, Tampa, Nashville. You can see how they're ticking up. Economic Innovation Group reports which metros have led the recovery so far because in 2020, um, there was a bit of a policy with the pandemic. And, and now we're seeing a bit of a, or a huge rebound, actually. Large areas of the South perform very well, including most of Florida, Texas. Areas like Mississippi, Delta, and Louisiana are far behind their pre-pandemic numbers. And we're actually looking to sell some of those Mississippi assets right now because of that. And that's just one of those things that you never know where you go in, I mean, do your due diligence. but the nice thing is you don't lose money. I mean, that's why you invested in. Also in the report, 
uh, other metros that it mentioned Austin, Salt Lake City, Dallas, Tampa, Phoenix, Jacksonville, Raleigh, Nashville, San Antonio. In 2018, Austin's rapid growth saw it overtake slow growing Cleveland, Ohio in terms of total jobs to become the country's 25th larger employer. Cleveland job growth flatlined in 2020 and has made some small gains in 2021. Here was a little bit of, I guess it's not working, but it was this cool GIF that we put together. And we put a lot of this on our social media. We're on pretty much all the channels, at least the team puts us on there. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I guess if you're a podcast listener, you don't see this, but you're basically seeing a cool GIF file of all the little dots representing people moving out of California. Where are they going? Where? Well, they're going to the Sunbelt states of Phoenix and Texas and to get out of the high price area. All right. Arbor, which is a direct Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac lender, reports what's driving the single family home boom. They are saying that single-family tenant base continues to evolve and expand as family-forming millennials seek more space. Other key demographics, such as aging baby boomers, who are increasingly less likely to move retirement homes and Gen Zers with a greater appreciation of suburban lifestyles, are expected to fuel the growth of single-family home rentals going forward. And the reason why we're talking about single-family home rentals, it almost mimics that of apartments and other types of investments. And this is basically just play on demographics. This is why we invest in this type of stuff because it's not a play on rocket science, it's just demographics. In 2021, Urban Institute Project found that 8.5 million new households will be formed in the United States between 2020 and 2023, many of which will be increasingly cost-constrained from home buying as borrowing costs are set to rise along record high prices. So that's talking about interest rates and therefore affordability. So you could have a situation where home prices come down, but if interest rates stay the same, affordability, which is a relationship between interest rates and what people can basically afford on their monthly uh, mortgages, could still be going up. And what they're saying is population is increasing, so you're going to need more supply on the line, especially on this lower end. Wealthmanagement.com also talking about the same thing. Single-family investors continue to gobble up available homes. That's you guys. Hopefully, you guys learn from my mistakes. Don't go and buy 11 single-family home turnkey rentals. A great way to get started, but definitely not scalable, especially when you really figure out that these tenants are going to trash your house eventually. Go through four or five evictions. You'll get one of them that screws it up. And then that CapEx tidal wave that definitely hits you at some point. They're saying the share of single-family homes bought by investors has been decreasing since their first large portfolio of rental homes were assembled in the wake of the great financial crisis. Average cap rates on rental homes dropped even though long-term interest rates like the benchmark yield on the 10-year treasury grew over the same period. But where else are you going to get yield that's as safe is what I say. Rising incomes from rents make investors eager to buy or build new rental houses despite rising prices and construction costs. So that from wealthmanagement.com. Arbor reports top markets for multifamily investment growth. The Midwest multifamily market experienced under-the-radar success during 2021, with Detroit, Indianapolis, and St. Louis all posting some of the strongest investment growth in the country. Some belt ventures continue to be a hotbed of investments led by Las Vegas, Houston, and Miami, and strong economic recovery and population growth supported residential demand in the Sun Belt. And of course, you guys are podcast listeners. Come and check out simplepassivecastrocom slash investor letter. We've got the slides for all this stuff on the website there. 
Yardi Matrix reports gateway market rebound, record-setting multifamily absorption. So what they mean by gateway markets, these are all the primary markets that people like to typically to live in, like the Californias, that type of New Yorks. They're saying that although doubts about perspectives of large urban submarkets remain far from resolved, data indicates that demand for apartments where cities reopen services and amenities in 2021. So in beginning of 2020, middle of 2020, everybody was ragging on the San Francisco's. I was probably one of these, but I do very well that they were coming back. You've got to take a place like New York that gets beat up because they got definitely got hit hard by that first wave of COVID with all those unfortunate deaths that happened and the proximity of all the a lot of people got out of town, literally, especially without all the cool things that track you to the city. But now that things are opening back up, you're seeing this rebound start to happen again. And this is a time when you should be buying, I think, right? When something gets beat, beat up, not, you don't want to be somebody who's been like, this has been going on for the last eight to 12 years. Now the time to get in. That's what the unsophisticated investor, the retail investor. Wealthmanagement.com reports multifamily developers try to keep pace with demand. Many apartment developments that start construction today are le- likely to be leasing units within a year or two. We just got built with a 230 unit apartment complex that should probably open tail end of the summer when we're anticipating certain lease ups on that. And we started that about a year. Solid economic growth, continued strength in labor market, high single family home prices and international migration will help up demand. Basically demand is outstripping supply, therefore rents are rising quickly. And there's no no signs of stopping in the future as what's coming online in terms of permits and new construction. It's just not filling the pipeline the need for the growing multi-housing news reports that blackstone launches april housing blackstone is the big huge 900 pound gorilla these guys go they have huge amounts of cash and they typically make long-term smart moves except when they get into like little landlord owning and they think they can operate it pretty well but they have so much cash it doesn't matter anyway but that's one of the mistakes that these big guys make a mistake the Blackstone Real Estate Investment Trust, you know, these are their one very small part of their company buying up properties is called April Housing, a new portfolio company that will focus on affordable housing across the United States. Properties are in major markets around the country, including Go Figure, Dallas, Houston, Austin, Denver, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. This is the fourth major tactical move made by Blackstone within the multifamily sector in the past two months. Blackstone multifamily portfolio totaled 133,000 units as of September 2021, comprising 50% of its assets. They're a big company and there's a bunch of them that many units when you really think about the whole entire world or country. So there's still a place for the little guy. Commercial property executive reports that how the Houston market office is being reset. Uh, I just did a video where we walked through our Westheimer Asset, which is right near, next to the Galleria. You guys should be seeing that come on the YouTube channel here shortly. Companies and individuals are relocating from West and East Coast to Houston. The boom is a result of Texas and our city of Houston having no state income tax and a diverse employee pool and a pro-business atmosphere. Additionally, recently completed Class A office properties with strong occupancies with long-term t- tenancy are anticipated to trade at near record and record pricing this year and into 2023. In recently constructed building, investors are seeing potential for long-term tenancy and garner premium rental rates. The spread of values between value-add and Class A categories will be significant in the Houston office market 
this year and into 2023. Adam, mortgage reports, mortgage lending across U.S. drops at fastest pace in almost three years during the fourth. This is down 10% from uh, third quarter 2021. So this is basically meaning that people are starting to see the interest rates go up and there's less of this scarcity model tactic to get people to, you better refinance now to capture those all-time low rates. One of the big ways they were uh, capturing the markets was HELOCs. They're down a little bit too. Who knows? Could just go up from here, could come back a little bit, and then the mortgage lenders get back on their marketing course and keep telling you to refinance again and again. All I got to say is don't be that person who just gets suckered by a lower interest rate and a lower payment. Be careful what they're doing. Sometimes they're spreading. You might have been down to a 20-year out of 30-year amortization. What they're doing is they are maybe spreading you back over to a 30-year mortgage or bringing you from a 30-year down to 15. Of course, the payment is going to be lower at that point. These guys, they're just like property agents and brokers. They're just there to get their origination fee. The answer is always, yes, let's refi. Joint Center for Housing Studies of Hardware University says that millions of renters fall short of a comfortable standard of living. God love Harvard. Now, they actually do some really good articles. This one's just more of a like a kind of like the one, but we put it here and just want to really point it out. Raising the minimum wage or offering a universal basic could also help more families reach a basic, more comfortable setting of living is what they said. You know, we won't go there because that's the socialist view, but I guess unfortunately, or it is what it is. Like the pandemic was basically a socialist system for the wealthy, where the wealthy got all these kind of breaks and it, it was, you know, the lower end, the B, C class renter got beaten. especially now because they're unable to invest in assets that go up with the pace of inflation and that might be even be you out there has a lot of equity in your house and just sitting on cash inflation is robbing your money maybe seven percent maybe even 15 percent every year multi-housing news why hotel to apartment conversions make sense so you can also go both ways i've seen apart like apartment conversions go to hotels now that requires a heck of a lot of of capex this is the like a crappy old two-star one-star hotel like maybe not a comfort inn but like a days in i think that's a little worse gets converted into a garden style apartment basically it's more sub-market which what do you need in the area and what usually drives these things which is hard for investors to determine are you really getting a good deal right are the person that you're buying the asset from really distressed so low interest rates have allowed for cheap financing and the compression of cap rates. As a result, housing rentals, land values are at all-time highs despite going through the pandemic. Fed and monetary policy has been nothing but a common data during this time to starve off an immediate recession. While converting hotels is not a traditional development play, it does provide the opportunity for innovative developers. Redfin reports a record share of U.S. home buyers are looking to relocate as prices skyrocket. This we kind of mentioned this in the other slide where you know, a whole bunch of people moving out of just California, but they're moving. Everybody's moving around. Buyers are flocking to Miami, Phoenix, Tampa, and the basically and buyers are moving away from markets. Exactly what we said. What rising interest rates mean for apartment cap rates? This is reported by National Multifamily Housing Council. So interest rates should be going up and cap rates are going down. Again, I've said this many times, but as investors, 
you're making money based on the spread between what you're borrowing at and what the cap rate is. And there will pretty much always be a delta that knock on wood, right? It's just saying there's always going to be gravity. And then you apply leverage and that's how you make your healthy return there. If higher borrowing costs are offset by higher growth rents in rent and net operating cap rates should remain unchanged. In other words, cap rates can be thought of as a real rate of return which are only affected by changes to the real interest rates, says the article. I'll summarize that. And basically what it comes down to is people freak out that interest rates are going up. They're going up because your government, your Fed, has deemed that the economy is doing well. So therefore, they need to cool off the economy. And when the economy is doing well, rents are going up. And you as an investor are leveraged on the rents. And as the rents go up, your net operating improves. And then that is a huge leverage play to make more money on that angle. And even if you have to pay a higher interest rate, right? At that point, if interest rates go up, you probably should have, you should sell. <laughs> Who cares about your interest rate at that point? But you've cashed in on those higher rents or in other words, higher net operating income, which take a little bit of a leg time, but you know, it's pretty quick. You start to see that going up. But that's value add real estate for you. Now, if you are buy, hope, and Pray to God that my property appreciates like something like I was from 2009 to 2005 buying 2015 buying little rental properties. I didn't do any value add to them. I just buy it and hope that the price went up. And typically it does. So, but when you value add properties, you don't really care what the interest rate is because you're making so much money on the value add and increasing the value of the property. Whereas you know, if, if you play around with the analyzer, if you guys haven't gotten my single family home analyzer, those of you guys still looking to buy little rental properties, you guys will notice that the interest rate has a huge part of the impact on the rents. So if you have a thousand dollar a month rental, I'm just guessing here, if your interest rates goes up by a half a point, now your cash flow might come down by $50, $75 a month. And if that's the case, then yeah, that's a huge part of your cash flow. And most of these properties these days, they just don't cash flow nearly as much. Gone are the days of finding three or four hundred, four, three or four hundred dollars a month cash flow. If you guys need an analyzer, you guys can download that at simplepassivecashflow.com/analyzer. But it's a paradigm shift when you're in value-add real estate and you make, you see how much money you're making. If you take a little hundred-unit property and you're value-adding five units a month. And that increases the rents by $100, $200. You increase the value by $500,000 a month times 12. You're basically creating, you know, divided by a cap rate of five, you're basically creating like $200,000 of value every single month, every month. And after a year, that's a couple million bucks. And now you start to realize what Lane's talking about. Who gives a rip about that interest rate at that point? We just created two million freaking dollars. That's a lot of, and then you do the sensitivity analysis. Oh, okay, we were paying four four percent, and now we have to refinance it. Let's just call it seven percent. Your debt service goes up, but when you look how much money you value add that property, it's, it's trumped by that number by a huge. Hey, Sean, thanks for a shout out there. Uh, I do want to mention like. New York City is increasingly because apartment prices were already on the decline in 2019 before the U.S. outbreak of COVID-19. That that market and places like San Francisco and East Bay and San Jose, these are called like the low cap markets. 
And now, personally, I, I was like, yeah, why would you want to invest in low-cap markets? It's stupid. But now I'm seeing the reason why you do that, in a way. Imagine if you had a whole lot of money, like $50, $100 million. At that point, you just want to store your cash somewhere in a stable than going to Hodong, Waco, Texas, or Boise, Idaho. The reason why the caps there are so high is because it is risky there. And the banks don't like to lend in those types of markets because they're risky. They will give much better terms in these low cap type of environments like San Francisco, New York, because it is a lot more. Ari Business Online reports doing well by doing good, transforming Class B and C workforce housing. There's overwhelming demand for Class B and C assets. While a large portion of new development over the past decade has been Class A luxury, that Class A makes up only 20% of the total rental market. Most cases, I don't understand why Class A works. I get why it works from like a syndicator standpoint because it looks really pretty in pictures and unsophisticated investors like pretty pictures. Um, so their spouses and think they're stupid for investing in like a garden style, blue overalls, blue collar, Class B or C apartment. Those in a normal recession, those are the ones that kind of get hit the hardest if you're not in the, the ideal, the best area. Continuing on the article, investments in these types of properties can earn significantly above average ROI. This is not through only through passive quarterly distribution, but also end of cycle returns upon the sale of property. Yeah, RE Business has the right idea. But we are running up to the end here. If you guys have any questions, comments, put it in. If not, again, check out our family office, Sohana Mastermind, our inner circle for our community. And probably one of the biggest communities out there. I don't know any other community that has brought in over $140 million from their investors to buy over a billion dollars of assets. Most people say, well, have you heard of these guys? Have you heard of these guys? Have they even, you know, done, bought over a $250 million of assets? No, that's what the quarter what we have. But whatever, I guess numbers don't aren't super that important, I guess. Just being sarcastic there, by the way. But again, you know, get a free copy of my book. And this is the section where I go into some personal stuff. We model this on the Tony Robbins 6 me. Now, the first one is growth. What are some things I'm working on? So the I mentioned it earlier, the 230 unit in Huntsville, Alabama is almost complete. We want to do like a little tour in the summertime is what I'm trying to make happen. And, oh, we had a question here. Isaac says, taking a break in deals, why is that? Send me an email, Isaac. We can have the team send you the webinar. It should be in the investor portal for you guys. But we did an hour-long, a 40-minute webinar on exactly that. In short, a lot of the properties we bought just a year ago went up by quite a bit, maybe 10% at least. A lot of that you can't really until through refinance. It just doesn't make sense to pay the, the lending fees to pull out the equity, but the equity is there by pure market appreciation. A little bit of sweat equity and hard work. <laughs> I say that um, jokingly there too. Do you think we work hard? But it's just hard to pay pricing on new assets like that because that's, there are a lot of amateurs that have owned less than a half a billion dollars of assets just buying whatever these days. And it's harder to make these deals work. Interest rates are going up. Most of the deals today are value add and use bridge notes. So it doesn't matter, but it's just getting harder and harder with the success of some developments and those type seemingly higher risk, higher return type of deals. Still not like they're not out of left field for sure. That's why you invest in real estate. It's nothing crazy still, even the more exotic type of stuff or the chocolate deals but 
we're just taking a pause at this time, reevaluating things. But yeah, check out that webinar we did. Shoot me an email or send us an email at team at simplepassivecashflow.com. We'll send you guys that webinar. And we also did a webinar since we are exiting a few assets. People are going to have a healthy amount of capital gains and depreciation recapture. What do you do? So we got a webinar on that talking specifically about that deal. So I think for, for some people, you want to see it a real example to understand it. If not, you're just listening to some joker on a podcast talking theory, which can help. But I think when you talk real numbers on an exited deal, it really makes this stuff come to life. And this stuff is really simple, folks. Um, you guys are all smart people out there because we got a lot of engineers. Isaac, you got that PE. You're a smart guy. But until you get walked through it once, it's hard to pick up. And that's why I do what I do. This is the contribution. Man, these financial planners, they're just guys selling you on securities. And I don't like these guys, right? Like, they're just selling prod retail products. And this is what's all messed up with the financial world is that there's all these like products where most of your returns are taking up in hidden fees, carried interest. And I would say the like, majority of your returns are taken by, by these big Wall Street companies and the commissions of the, the age at the financial planner. Um, find me a financial planner that actually made their money, not by selling people commission products, but some, how did I get some significance? We're finally seeing that a lot of people pulling money out of U.S. equity funds, and we're seeing slower inflows into that type of stuff, as shown by this visual capitalist infographic here. And I really like the fact that a lot of these deals are finally cashing out. This one deal that we did, and we didn't have cash flow for the whole time. This was actually in a pretty rough area. I made a video maybe three years ago where I had like spooky Halloween music. We released it during Halloween. It was a joke. Some people actually got really afraid. and That's why I don't do that anymore. Although there is going to be some videos coming out later, maybe next month, where we went through some of the Houston assets. And for those of the in those, don't get super alarmed. We're just trying to make it fun. We had some really ugly um, turned apartments where we you know, the tenant got evicted and just left it in shambles. There's like cockroaches. And it's just made for YouTube, guys. Like, this is pretty common stuff in our business, um, turning these units. But again, this is why we, we make the big bucks because we, we are rolling our sleeves up, putting value into properties and making the world a little bit better. Uncertainty, man, every time we do a deal, kind of like, this is, this is actually one of those deals that's exiting. People came to my house. It's hard to see, but you can see on the screen there. This is a deal in El Paso that also didn't cash flow, but also at the end of exceeded performa by a long shot. And I'm always like, man, I really like to work with people that kind of trust us and know that we also have skin in the game. And that's the way I tell people that I diversify too. But I don't know, sometimes I get a little stressed out by this. And to me, that's the uncertainty in life. It really gets, until you go through a full cycle, before you go see those K1s, it's really not real. So I get it. But then that's what the community is for. How do I get a little certainty? Now, this is why you invest in real estate, even if it's a development, right, which is seen as a little bit more higher risk. At the end of the day, the land's worth something and all the materials are worth something. And until you buy the materials and put it into service, you're not making ink, but the value is there. People wanted to buy our apartment before the apartment was even built. That's just how crazy this market is. And you can always find the point to sell these assets whether it makes money or not, apparently. Um, but that's funny why like, you know, a lot of people are buying these Class A assets for crazy prices. That's why we decided not to sell it. 
not even built yet because people are willing to pay crazy prices, which I don't really think buying this new Class A stuff really makes sense. But it makes sense to sell to one of those guys. Whereas like crypto, NTS, all this other stuff, to me, it goes up and down with emotion. And I'm just done with that. I think today, stock market down 300 points. And, you know, I, I stopped paying attention to all the headlines because most of the times it's just some English major trying to figure out and justify what happened in the world. But you know, real estate is a hedge against inflation because it's a packaged commodity and it's way better than gold and all this other stuff because it also makes you income. And if you can combine that with the fact that you can force appreciate the asset, what else can you do? You can't value add. To close things out, let's all without a little love connection. I took my daughter to Alani. She saw Mickey and Minnie for the first time. She didn't know what the heck was going on. She was nine months year old. She doesn't know. But I'll be doing a future video on this. So I found a way you can get really cheap. I'm going to call it tertiary Disney vacation timeshare rentals. So you can buy it from a timeshare. And that's a ripoff. You can also buy the timeshare from somebody else who realized that timeshares are a stupid idea and they need to dump it. You can buy it from one of these secondhand sites. And even that's a bad idea. I did another video in the Rich Uncle YouTube channel, which is separate from the Simple Passive Cashflow channel that went down through the math of this. If say if somebody bought, you can also rent out other people's timeshares. So if you have a timeshare, and you don't use the points, which is typically what happens because it's real pain in the butt to use this and that nothing ever works. You can rent out your points to somebody. And that's usually will be my go-to recommendation is just go on one of these third-party sites and rent it from them. What I did and how I got Alani from $200 on a Wednesday night, again, you got to be not have a day job to go on a Wednesday. What people will do is they'll be sophisticated enough to rent the points from another timeshare owner. But... Something came up and they have to drop it. And there I am to buy it out of their mystery. So I like deals. I don't like wholesalers who swindle people who don't know how to read out of their only asset they, they own, their house, to buy it at 50 cents in the dollar to supposedly solve their problems and all that nonsense. But I guess, I don't know, maybe it's bad buying a timeshare because typically the timeshare buyers aren't super sophisticated or knowledgeable. And they typically get preyed on by their timeshare salesman. But Maybe I feel just a little bit less uh, guilty for the fact that it's, it is a discretionary item to them. But anyway, there are losses my game in this situation. I don't know. I just, I like to find deals, whether it's apartment deal, stay at Alani or something really cool in New York City. A deal is a deal. And I guess that's what makes the world goes round or that's what I enjoy. But I guess we'll see you guys next month. And if you guys uh, want to join the community, go to simplepassacashflow.com. And also, you can get access to a lot of the free courses we have on our members portal by signing up there. And uh, tell your friends about this group and uh, start interacting. If you guys need anything, shoot the team Simple Passive Cashflow. And I'll see you next month. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.